Hey, real quick before we get started, I just wanted to thank my lovely and beautiful cousin Lexi for suggesting the story we're about to talk about. Thanks, guys, and I hope you enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Crime and Coffee Couple. It's weird saying our little new name. Yeah, it's kind of something we got to get used to. Yeah, but it'll happen. Yeah, what's your I'd name? Say, my name's Allison. Oh, and I'm Mike. Nice oh, to meet you. Oh, see, I'm so out of sorts. I didn't even introduce myself. See, I did it last <laughs> week, and it was weird. And you were making fun of me, being like, "Oh, Mike, everything's going to be okay. Don't worry." But I know. Now you're on the stage, and I'm I just know. watching you and, and trying to do my best here. The pressure's on, and I'm failing. That's nah, okay. You did fine. So uh, it's good to have you here, Mike. Hey, good to have you too. Thanks for uh, for the introduction. Very warm introduction. Yes. So this, I mean, it's amazing how many different things have to go into this video thing. Like, I mean, I have to record something. And like last week, we were all excited and talking about how we're going to have a video. And it ended up I didn't hit record. So, you know, you live and you learn. You do. So we're only going to get better from here. That's exactly. Nice we hope so anyway. Yeah. Yeah. We apologize for this horrible first one. I'm, I'm guessing. Maybe it's going to be great. Who knows? Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. But uh, we are the Crime and Coffee couple. So follow us on Twitter and Instagram, Crime and Coffee 2. See, I was going to change the name, but then I was like, it's Crime and Coffee couple. Crime and Coffee 2 is a couple. So Crime and Coffee 2. Two. It's me and you. Uno dos. That's two. A couple. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. One plus one is two. So yeah, follow us there and um, please leave us some reviews on the uh, Apple Podcast Store. We'd appreciate that or podcast wherever it is. Wherever or, you can find your podcast. Spotify now allows reviews. So if you're listening on Spotify, head on over, give us a five star review. We'd we certainly it. do appreciate it. That yeah. is for sure. Yeah. What's new with you uh, in the past three days? I think we're doing this a little earlier. Yeah. But. We're recording early because we're going away for the weekend. Um, so not much has changed since I last spoke with you on Sunday. Looking forward to the weekend, though. It's very chilly here in Florida. Yes. Um, and I know people from the north and then the cold weather will say, wah, Florida. But this morning it was 38 degrees. so Which is pretty darn cold for Florida. Yeah, it's cold. I mean, and it, it feels colder, too, because of the humidity. Yeah. Is, uh, now, is weather like a really riveting co- topic of conversation? Um, Not really, but okay. we're all going to the beach and our friends from Illinois are coming down hoping for warmer weather, which really isn't going to happen. Right. I mean, it'll be in the 50s, but... But they're in Florida. They're hanging out with us. So. Yeah. So yeah. it'll be fun regardless. We're right. getting away. Yep. You know, anytime I want to relax, I pretty much have to remove myself from the house so that I don't have anything to clean or right. tidy or organize. And then the entire family is way happier because you're not like crazy. Like you're we're all more relaxed. Yeah. It kind of brings it down a notch. Because if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. Right. We should, But we should like make that into a sign and sell it places. We should. Yeah. I, I don't think that's ever been done before. No, I don't think so. I've never heard that saying. That's so good. Uh, what are you drinking there, Mike? I don't know. You got it for me. So I'm going to assume. Oh, that's right. I'm going to assume it's some espresso type based drink or is it a coffee, like a decaf coffee? Because it's late night. Yes, it's uh, nighttime right now, so can't be getting into that caffeine. So it is a caffeine caffeine free espresso. Okay, nice. yours is straight up. Mine has a little bit of almond milk with yeah. some sweetness. I, I take it black. Um, one laziness, two less calories. Yeah. So how's that working out so far? It looked pretty good. You look slim, trim, and ready to go. You know, I was sitting watching this video like to test, and I was like, "Holy shit, <laughs> that is a big dude!" Right well, there. I honestly think it's it's hard enough to listen to your voice on a podcast i don't mind my voice i think the voice while whiny and nasally it's totally fine yeah but i, I just I'm... look like a bag of shit oh stop it yeah so um it's one thing to hear my voice but to see my face on a video a little scary i'm not gonna lie and of course i was hoping last week we would kick it off with you doing the video because you were presenting i was of course it falls on me you yeah mother fledger yeah i'm a mother fledger that's for sure and uh, i read some about youtube you're not supposed to put a swear in the first 10 minutes so i already screwed that up twice so oh, i'm doing really good nice right way to go mike yeah yeah i'm doing well job very very good job um I, we dropped off our son at his uh county band uh, preparation he has like an all-county band thing that he did so we're pretty proud about that very proud he, he toots the tuba he toots the tuba we always say cam's tooting the tuba Yep. So he's, uh, I guess he's doing pretty good at that. And I, I told him like, I've never been advanced anything. Like I, I got in an honors algebra class like a couple of times, but I mean, like as far as just being advanced at something, I'm like, this could be good for you, buddy. Like you could like go to a nice college. Like if you're going with us, you're just going to community college and then that's about it. <laughs> you're riding our coattails. It's not going far. <laughs> yeah. Just, I mean, look around. It's pretty crap. Well, no, <laughs> I'm just kidding. But he's, uh, it's, we're proud of him. He's yeah, done a really good very job. Very proud. And on the other side of things, I let our daughter down today. She got the living room all set up. She lit candles. She she got me something to drink. She got her candy. She had the Great British Baking Show set up. And I'm like, oh, we're doing our podcast early. She cried. She cried. 
Yeah. So, um, mom, mom of the year here. Mom failed. But you did okay. I mean, it, me too. But, you know, you're the one that got the brunt of it, unfortunately. Yeah, I really But it was so bad. nice of her. So nice of her to set it up. Like, she doesn't do that all the time. No, and it was every, a special thing. Yeah. Every night we typically like to settle in and watch some British baking show or something. And yeah. I usually make the gals a, um, a hot chocolate. And I believe uh, popcorn is usually requested. Yes. So, um, yeah, she had that all set up. And now she's like, oh, now you guys have to record about murders. <laughs> So, yeah. <laughs> about murder and mayhem. That's more important than me. We're like, yeah, okay, well, we'll see you later, babe. So I'll make it up to her you somehow. Will. You will. But uh, So uh, are you ready to dive right in? I'm ready. I'm sitting here waiting. I can't wait. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready, ready, ready. SpongeBob okay. SquarePants. So we'll get started. I know I say this pretty much every time we record. But Let me guess. This is horrible. Well, it's horrible, but it's just, it's crazy. Like, you can't even believe that this happened. That's why we're all here. And I've heard this story one time, but I was at work and I was distracted. You know, I was distracted with work at work. Yeah, you can't let that happen. That whole thing. Right. So I was only kind of like 75% listening. So I don't know that I grasp just how insane this was until at one point in the podcast, I was like, wait, wait, what? Kind of had to rewind again. Yeah. And the crazy thing about this one is... The actual act isn't caught on camera, but everything like leading to and after is. Now, that's what I really can get into a lot of the current event type stuff, like stuff that has happened in the last 10, 20 years, because you have a lot of that video and audio and Mm -hmm. it makes it that much more enthralling and encapsulating. I don't know. Well, and it helps solve some of these crimes. This one was clear cut because of the cameras good that's important so um i'll just get started not a mystery like a lot of the crap no none of the unsolved stuff we we know our guy good we got him okay um so this story takes place at dan's danvers high school in massachusetts in october of 2013 it's a you know a short period of time it goes over the course of a day leads into the next early morning so it's not like a drawn out occurrence so on tuesday october 22nd 2013 24 year old colleen ritzer arrived at school dressed in a purple long sleeve shirt and black pants this day at school was called buddy's day or dress like your friend day and she and her co-worker who was also a math teacher colleen's a math teacher um, they decided to dress alike. They were both in the purple and the black. Cute. So it was really cute. Yeah. Um, so this was her coworker, Sarah Giaquinta, that she was dressed like. So Colleen is a math teacher at Danvers High School. And as she walked into school that day, she carried her black Vera Bradley school bag and her purple lunch tote with her. A lot of the teachers like the Vera Bradley stuff. Yeah, I remember that was a thing for a while. I know it was a thing probably, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago. I, I always wanted a Vera Bradley bag, and yeah. I, I never got one. You're not even a teacher. I'm so not a teacher. I think if you were a teacher, you would have had a better chance. Yeah, maybe, but my chances weren't good because I'm, I'm a dietitian. Right. Um. So that day in her last class of the day, which was algebra, um, she it's the class the last period of the day started about 1 p.m so that day colleen noticed that one of her new students um who was a freshman his name is philip chisholm he was drawing and listening to music chisholm, sorry chisholm that's uh that's a bad last name go ahead <laughs> not very nice mike nope. there might be somebody with that last name i'm listening, sorry i apologize not kind so i apologize for my husband so he was drawing and listening to music rather than paying attention to her lesson. And I thought right away that that was kind of crazy about the whole listening to music. Because, yeah. you know, obviously, earbuds during um, a class wouldn't really go over Well, you're very clearly well. not listening. I mean, it's like very disrespectful. But from what I heard, and I listened to a lot of the trial of this case, and uh, it was very common that the students would have one earbud in because they would streamline from like class discussion to individual work. Hmm. And when they were doing individual work, it was okay that they had one earbud in, I guess. So right. it wasn't like insane. Well, we have to keep in mind, it's been a long time since we've been in school, you know, 20, very, 30 years. Yeah, true. So now it's kind of expected that every kid has a phone. Every kid probably has ear pad or earbuds. Yeah. yeah. Now this was nine years ago, so okay. it's not like it was just last year or something. So he sat, he had one earbud in, he's drawing and not really paying attention and a classmate who had sat, uh, sat two, decks, two desks away from Philip was interviewed at 5.36 uh, the following day and indicated that this wasn't typical for him. He rarely participated in like overt discussions, but he did pay attention and he was really considered to be a perfectly good student. So Philip was new to the area. He had moved to Danvers with his mom from Tennessee only a couple months earlier. I believe he started the school year, freshman year, at the new high school in his new 
new hometown. Okay. That's better that way to start yeah. as a freshman. It's, get to meet everybody. A lot of people coming from different schools and such. Yeah, exactly. It's it's hard to move and start, especially when you're a teenager, but at least the beginning of the school year makes it a little bit easier because, yep. like you said, not everybody is from that school, obviously. So um, they moved from Tennessee after a kind of a rocky divorce. And of course, I think anytime a child's going through a product of divorce, it's it's difficult. So, you know, he was having a hard time. Um, and, you know, he'd been used to moving around in a sense. He had moved around living in various cities between Tennessee and Florida when he was starting in fourth grade. I guess they moved a lot. I'm not entirely sure why. But by a fellow classmate, Philip was described as quiet and reserved, but he seemed like a typical teenager. They always are the quiet and reserved types, you know? Yeah. The ones that do something. Yeah. You never know. You just never know. Right. So he didn't drink or do drugs. It's like, well, he's only 14, but <laughs> Okay, well, that's good. He didn't. I mean, a lot of kids are into like the, you know, the Mary Jane and uh, wacky tobacco. We have a 13-year-old son who's in seventh grade. So this this child is 14. He's a freshman. But just like imagining my kid like sparking up. Like he barely like, knows how to Cameron light a lighter like, <laughs> to light a candle. Yeah, if I'm yeah. like, Cam, can you light that candle? He's like, well, <laughs> bring up a joint to his mouth. Like I can't even. I, I mean, I can't even. Fathom he was very it. proud. Our 13 year old was proud that he could put his own cream cheese on his bagel. The other <laughs> Last day. night. Yeah. He's like, yeah. Um, And I'm going to put my own cream cheese on. I'm like, oh, my goodness. Congratulations. Growing up so fast. You're 13. <laughs> you can put cream cheese on a bagel. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So anyway, he Philip did not drink or do drugs. He came from a good family. He was very athletic. He excelled at soccer and he was playing for the Danvers soccer team. And I guess oh. he was one of their lead goal scorers. Wow. Um, he was described, like I said, as shy. But if you got to talking with him, he eventually warmed up to you. Okay. So um, people seem said to, that he seemed to be acting perfectly fine. A couple of people said leading up to this date, they noticed he was a little bit quieter than usual. That's usually what happens, too. I mean, you know, it, maybe anybody could be a little more quiet sometimes, I guess. But something, some, something is kind of different, usually. Well, and too, with teenagers, you know how it is. They've got hormones mood raging, swings. mood swings. It's, yeah. That could be normal. But one of his teammates in particular said that he noticed that when he was scoring um, soccer goals, am I saying that right? Soccer scoring goals, a goal. scoring, yeah. scor- scoring a goal, yeah. that he wasn't celebrating as much as he previously previously was. Ah, so he like took note of that in his head. He's yes. like, huh, weird. He didn't even comment it to anybody else, but on trial, he did say he noted that. Okay. So, um, but nothing like alarming at right. all. So a student heard Colleen comment to Philip, I didn't know you could draw, not in a confrontational way, because she was a very sweet, loving teacher that everybody adored. Um, But just kind of like bringing attention to the fact, hey, dude, you're drawing. Maybe we should pay attention. Kind of like one of those half things, like uh, passive aggressive a little, but at the same time being nice about it. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Like, hey, I see what you're doing. And then when the bell rang that day at 1.55 p.m., the same student heard Colleen say to Philip, can you stay after with me? Mm -hmm. I guess there was a test that was coming up. She wanted to be sure that Philip was ready for it. In addition to that, Colleen belonged to a group of teachers called the freshman team. They were basically a Signed to keep an eye on the freshmen that year, make sure they were transitioning okay into high school, especially Philip because he was new to the area. So it's kind of like a double whammy. So she was just touching base with him, making sure all was good. So Colleen is a type of teacher that somehow managed to make a subject such as algebra and geometry fun, which I don't know, maybe some people are into that thing, but I never clicked with math. Well, I love math, but at the same time, you know, if you can make it something about the real world and where people will use them, applications in the real life or stories, because, you know, like right now we're telling a story, like humans love stories. So if you can attach it to something real, then it makes it a lot more fun to learn about. And understand that not everybody gets math easily and somehow you get them to understand. And I have such respect for teachers because I kind of suck at algebra. And I had one teacher who I just, I could not understand what she was talking about. Then I had another one who was just like, it was like a light was just above my head. Like, oh my gosh, this makes sense. It was just the different way that she taught it. So somehow Colleen managed to make math fun, 
which, you know, especially when you're relating to teenagers, that makes Very a big important. difference. Yep. So, of course, she's only 24 years old. She's only a few years older than some of her seniors. I'm sure in the hallway, you could probably easily mix her in with the students. Well, going to high school as a teenage boy, you always notice the younger teachers. Yeah, too. I mean, what is a, a senior, 18 years old? Yeah. You know, she's 24. So, yeah, it's right there. So she and, you know, she wasn't a very tall girl. She just she had a baby face. She was 24. So I'm sure she related well with the teenagers. Sure. So um, she even used Twitter as a platform to share homework and assignments, send inspirational messages like every day might may not be good, but there is something good in every day. So just very, very active on Twitter. Trying to connect different ways. Mm -hmm. And her Twitter profile description read math teacher often too excited about the topics I'm teaching. (laughs) She she just seemed adorable. So you know, she went into teaching to really make a difference. It wasn't like, ooh, I'm gonna get summers off. I'm you know gonna have spring break, Christmas break, yeah, blah blah blah. That would be the reason why I would go into teaching. <laughs> I I like children and I can identify with them, but I like some my kids, children. I just um, I love my kids, but sometimes other kids, I'm just like, oh, well, especially gosh. high school and puberty hormones yeah. and just yeah, you know, aggression and whatever. It's yeah, just, yeah, not and fun. The, you have to have a lot of patience, really. Right. So she was always passionate about it. It was always something she wanted to do, even when she was younger. Um, she wanted to dedicate herself to her students, often staying after school. It was very typical that she was there for a couple hours after school, letting people stay back to make sure that they understood what was going on. If they needed the extra help, she was there for them. Amazing. So she was born on May 13th, uh, 1989. That's my parents' anniversary. They're going to be 50 years married this year. Um, they, she was born in Lawrence, Massachusetts to parents, Thomas and Peggy. She was the oldest of three children, had a younger brother and sister. She graduated from Andover high school and then moved to Assumption College to pursue her teaching degree. She graduated magna cum laude. I remember we were talking about that. <laughs> I had to look that up because like, I'm like, is laude? it cum laude? Yeah. No, it's cum laude. Cum laude. Cum laude. Yeah. Very good. So she graduated with that. I did not. That's pretty so. good. Yeah, she's a smart girl. Yeah, there's bad and then there's magna cum laude. <laughs> That's good. So she graduated with her bachelor's degree in 2011 and she began her first job as a middle school teacher and then transferred to Danvers High School the following year in 2012. While she worked at Danvers, she also was pursuing her master's degree in Salem State College. It was her dream to work with and help the children with special needs. In her application to that college, she wrote that she was dedicated to helping students in times of need. That's really and nice. And I think, you know, especially special education. I mean, that's like, there's a special place in heaven for people like that. Yep, yep. So a friend and former colleague would say of Colleen that she was energetic. She was compassionate. You couldn't ask for more from a teacher or a friend. She cared about every single student and put many hours after school every day, always thinking about how she could be better and better to help her students. Sounds like the model teacher, you know, the the type of teacher you want teaching your kids. Absolutely. And I'm sure she was, you know quick to respond with parents and communication because it's tough. We are parents of a teenage child. Their communication skills are not the best. Especially the boys. Oh my goodness. Sometimes you want to beat your head on a wall. (laughs) Um, So it is helpful when teachers are communicative communicative Mm -hmm. so she was described as a truly beautiful person she was um fortunate enough to be living with her parents while she taught kind of have to because teachers get paid a pittance basically and you know it gets you on your feet you can save up money stockpile and then eventually move out she was living with her parents about 15 minutes away from the school allowing her to save her money. And despite being at Danvers for only a year at the time of the story, she was absolutely loved and respected at the school. Great. People just had nothing but good things to say about her. Yeah, one her. of those you heard about her, or heard about her, you're like, I want her as a teacher mm-hmm. next year. Yeah. And just to give you an idea of her personality, her ideal night in included watching Home Alone for the 100th time or staying in to watch a marathon session of Boy Meets World or Full House. Oh, so 90s like stuff. Even yeah. though she was born like 10 years after us. Yeah, so. she was born, what I say, 89? Yep. Yeah. So, um, you know, a girl after my own heart, not a party animal, likes to just stay in. I'm just... Born 40 years old. I, yeah, I don't know. As I've gotten into my 40s, I am a homebody. It's, well, you were, like we say, often you were born at 45, and now you're getting right at your age, your I'm birth age. hitting my, my stride. peak, my stride yeah. right now. Good. So... On October 22nd, the day that I mentioned of 2013, Colleen's family became worried as evening approached and she hadn't returned home. Colleen's parents called her friend, the one that I mentioned that she dressed alike as Buddy's Day, Sarah, asking if she had seen Colleen. Sarah and her husband headed to the school to check on Colleen. They noticed that her car was in the parking lot, but when they went up to the classrooms, there was no sign of her. 
Um, there was no sign of her bags either. There mm. was a jacket draped over the back of the chair, but other than that, they didn't see her things. They decided to call the police at 11.20 p.m. So they didn't do it immediately because, you know, she's 24 years old. Yeah, she's not a kid. You know, she's not a child. So her parents gave time. She might have gone to a bar or yeah, library. Exactly. Or that's that's what they thought. Maybe she's out. She Maybe she forgot to tell us she was going somewhere. Go to see a movie. And I'm Anything. sure she was the type of girl that was pretty respectful and would tell her parents. Yeah, that's the problem. You know, and that alarmed them. So um, when she still failed to show any signs of her, that was very uncharacteristic. So they called the police. So earlier in the day, when extracurricular activities and sports were going on, the soccer coach noticed that one of his players was absent. Shit. So Philip Chisholm, he didn't show up that day. I didn't have a good feeling when you're starting to talk about Philip Chisholm. Later in the evening, Philip's mom, just like Colleen's parents, she became worried. He didn't come home after soccer and, you know, he's new to the area. He hasn't made a plethora of friends to the point where he's hanging out after school. So she would expect him home whenever the activity bus would roll around or whatever the situation was. He wasn't there. Wasn't the type to go out and go do stuff. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, you know, he wasn't exactly thrilled with the move that he had made. So she was just worried about him. And maybe he was acting out or something. Yeah, he wasn't act- or answering his cell phone. So at 6.34 p.m., his mom, Diana, called the police and reported 14-year-old Philip missing. Okay. So at 9 p.m. that night, the school principal sent an email to staff. At this point in time, I don't believe the principal even realized that Colleen was missing. Really? So he's informing, or she, I'm not sure, is informing the staff that a student is missing. Hey, just so you know, Philip Chisholm, 14-year-old freshman, is missing. Keep an eye out if you're at a store or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A uh, mother recalled seeing that Philip was running away from school around 3.30 p.m. as she sat in the parking lot waiting for her child. Ah. She relayed this to the principal around 6 p.m. Uh, shortly after the email was sent, a fellow math teacher, Sarah, let the principal know, we also can't find Colleen. We haven't seen her. But being a minor... Same day and everything. Yes, mm. same day. Um, being a minor, the police first turned their attention to looking for Philip. His call came in sooner, too. He mm-hmm. was called in at like 6.34, and Colleen wasn't called in until close to midnight. So um, his phone was traced to a movie theater in Danvers. He had gone to a 4.30 showing of a Woody Allen movie, Blue Jasmine, but was already gone by the time police arrived to the theater. Wow. Police basically split their duties in half. Some are searching the streets of Danvers, while other are focusing their attention at the school. This involved um looking inside and the perimeter of the school as well as pulling cctv footage of the school so um i think i'm going to me- uh, mention it in a moment but the school had just undergone a major remodel to the point that not even all the regular students were back in the building most were but not 100 percent had transitioned back into the building because you know they probably place them at other area schools yeah the temporary places and whatever yeah and with this came luckily the installation of all these um, motion detected cameras. cameras oh wow yes but you know it's brand new so everyone's kind of getting to know the system yeah. the cameras weren't even named to make sense at they're, this point yeah they're not used to it and no. being able to access which one yeah so mm-hmm. it's a big kind of a cluster yeah so this is all brand new and i believe and i i mentioned it earlier later in the story but i think it's about 140 motion detector cameras throughout the whole school wow yeah um pretty so big school it was yeah it was a big school okay um, Colleen's phone had pinged in the area of a local middle school when they checked on it. So also of alarming um, findings in the girls' bathroom closest to Colleen's classroom, they found smears of blood. Mm. One of the officers was just doing a check throughout the building. And I think she initially looked in there and didn't see anything. And then because the door frame itself was red, but she noticed when she looked closer that there was blood streaked down the ah, door frame. Okay. Yes. Never a good sign when you're looking for somebody. So um, I mentioned that Sarah, her co-worker and friend, her and her husband were at the school looking. So as they're helping the police like search around the building and in between two boulders at the edge of the woods where kind of like the activities happen and such like that, they found Colleen's purse wedged in between two boulders. That sucks. So basically what happened was he called around to where the other police officer was with another coworker and they came over. They started looking further into the woods just slightly. They noticed, I think, signs of blood and that's where they called it off and came out of the woods to get more official people involved Mm. to you know 
they're feeling like they're going to be dealing with a crime scene at this point. Yeah. So they want to preserve everything. They know what they've seen and they've seen some things similar and it's like, yeah, this is going a bad direction. Yeah. And they knew it was Colleen's purse because of course this is the husband that's finding this purse. You wouldn't know what my friend's purse looks like, right. but I guess they found a pay stub in there that said her name on it. It was yeah. mostly empty though. It was missing her wallet, her money, her credit cards and her cell phone. Ah. Around 3 a.m. that morning, this is just so tragic, now we're into October 23rd, they find Colleen's body under a pile of leaves into the woods that are right on the perimeter of the school. So not where her cell phone was at the middle school? No. Okay. No. Um, Nearby her, uh, well, first of all, she was found in the supine position, so laying on her back. She was naked from the waist down. She was covered in blood, dirt, and scratches, and I'll talk about it later, but Mm. she was posed in like a very provocative way. Ugh. It's, God, yeah. so it was something. Yeah, so her done. shirt was pulled up, exposing her chest. Her pants were gone, totally Ugh. gone. Yeah. It's just absolutely terrible that such an amazing person had to deal with a monster. Um, near her body, they found a handwritten note that just read simply, I hate you all. <sighs> yeah. Um, about 100 feet Ugh. away, down a slight embankment, they found a large trash bin slash recycle bin. Looks exactly like what we use that you, you know, tip it and pull it out on its two wheels. Yeah, the ones that the garbage trucks can come and pick up. Mm-hmm. You know, they just like hook the thing and, and tip it. That's what yeah. they found down an embankment. They found bloody gloves also. Um, it was quickly concluded that Philip was involved. So I mentioned those cameras and they, of course, it's like, very bizarre. A lot of the stories we talk about, whenever something like this happens, it's like the person from security or whatever was happened to be off that day. So he was called to inform of the situation that not only is a a student missing, but a teacher is missing too. He's like, I'm coming in. He came to the school at like 9 p.m. He's trying to still figure out the footage. You're a security guard. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, this is like, I'm needed now more than ever. Oh, absolutely. Like, this is the time. We'll figure out a day off. Yeah. 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 That wasn't even a concern, obviously. So he's figuring out all this footage and then all of a sudden it's like, oh my gosh, they they see like we found something oh yeah they Shit. found something so um they quickly concluded that philip was involved in colleen's murder of course shortly after midnight on october 23rd a tops field police officer this is a nearby town to danvers is he still alive at this point they haven't found him no at this point in time they have not located philip okay so um a tops field police officer is getting off duty right around midnight he's heading home on a very quiet rural unlit two-lane road and as he's going over the crest of a hill he notices in the dark because it's like i said it's poorly lit a, a person walking and that's not typical so he went over the embankment he turned himself around passed again yes there's somebody walking um, so he radios over or calls his coworkers who took his place. They come out and um, check on what the heck, who's this person that's walking around. It could be nothing, yeah. but it was a young male walking near a farmhouse. Okay. So um, uh, anything out of the ordinary you want to check out? Sure. And Topsfield is about 10 minutes away from the school. So when officers arrived, they asked Philip, it was Philip, where he was going. He answered nowhere. When he asked where he was coming from, he answered Tennessee. When he was asked where he lived, he told the officers that he had no address. He was asked what was in the red Nike drawstring backpack he was carrying, and he stated survival gear. He was asked to empty the pockets of his black shorts because the officer did like a just a quick pat, and he felt like what felt like a hard case in his one pocket and something hard in his other pockets. Hmm. So when that, I wonder if that's legal to search. I don't know. I mean, I think it's very appropriate to check a person's pockets because they could be armed. Sure. So, yeah, I I don't know if that falls under, you know, um, having to get legal access or, you know, asking if you can. I'm sure he asked and like, yeah, go ahead. You know, yeah, I think that might fall under. I don't know. But yeah, they have to protect themselves, obviously. So, um, Philip emptied his pockets onto the hood of the car, the trooper's car, and it was a stack of IDs slash credit cards rubber band together and with that stack there were two massachusetts driver's license credit cards an insurance card and like i said all held together with a rubber band his or other people's no i mean i know he's not old enough to drive so Mm -mm. huh 
And the other pocket was just a rock, just a nondescript rock. Not sure why he was well, carrying survival it. gear, you know? Yeah. Survival gear. Yeah. So the two driver's license that they found belonged to Colleen Ritzer. Oh, and at this point in time, the responding officers have no idea who Colleen is, that she's missing any of this other ah. stuff. They are aware. The one officer in particular was aware that Philip was missing only because I believe he lived in the Danvers area and his daughter happened to go to that school and found out that they were looking for a student. Okay. He, the daughter specifically said to him, one of my classmates is missing. His name is Philip Chisholm. Well, that makes sense. Tell your father who's a cop. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when um, the officers asked Philip where he got the IDs and cards, Philip said that he found them at a stop and shop, which is, I think, like a convenience store slash sure. maybe even gas station. Yeah. Um, when he was asked again where he got the cards, this time he answered from her car. Yeah, he didn't even say her name. Yeah, I mean, at this point, he's kind of giving up. Yeah. The officers then asked Philip to open his backpack where they found a white wallet. Inside the zipper part of the white wallet, they found a box cutter, the blade still protruding with reddish brown substance on the blade. A Vera Bradley soft case, a blue Nike shirt, two rolls of tape, a set of keys, a white towel, a flashlight, a scuba diving knife, bloody women's underwear. When they asked about the blood on the box cutter, he said, it's the girls. Um, he was read his Miranda rights, and then it was not- noted that Philip's clothing that was containing a sweatshirt and shoes also had the same brown reddish stains on them, hmm. similar to what was on the box cutter. They asked where the girl was, and Philip indicated in the woods. They asked if the girl in the woods could be helped, and he told them no. Isn't that just awful? Just cold blooded, just like, nope. Absolutely awful. Man, what a scumbag. Um, so going back to earlier in the day, after classes that day, a student recalls passing by Colleen's classroom. She looked in and saw Colleen standing by her computer and saw Philip sitting in a chair about 10 feet away. Colleen looked over, smiled at the student. In addition to that girl noticing this, um, another student named Autumn just so happened to bounce by Colleen's class after school, not even so much for math help, but mostly just to see her favorite teacher. Nice. Yeah. So um, Autumn was able to observe the interaction between Colleen and Philip and noticed that when Colleen asked Philip how Danvers compared to Tennessee and how he was liking the change, Philip's like demeanor immediately changed and he became irritated. Hmm. Colleen quickly caught on to this demeanor and changed quickly changed the subject. <laughs> You're like, okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. How's the weather today? Yeah. <laughs> What'd you eat for lunch? Yeah. So about 2.20 p.m., Colleen's close friend and fellow math teacher, like I've mentioned, Sarah, she came by. She um, had just come from a meeting and she basically wanted to just update Colleen on what happened during the meeting. The two stepped out into the hallway. They then moved into a classroom across the way and finally finally finished their conversation just standing in front of Colleen's classroom door. As Colleen did this, Philip and Autumn remained in the classroom up near the whiteboard. Nothing was weird that Autumn noticed. Philip even asked Autumn if she wanted him to write her name in Japanese, and she said yes, and he did. So eventually Colleen came back to the classroom and they wrapped things up to head out for the day, head home. Philip at this point in time is due to be at soccer practice. Yeah. So one of the weird things that I did find um, from the trial, I didn't see the full questioning of Sarah Gianquinta, her friend, but they did say when you asked Colleen what the boy was doing in the classroom, what did she say? Uh And Colleen responded, I don't know why he's there. (laughs) So he's just sitting there. So the one student said that she, Colleen, asked him to stay after school. So maybe she did and she got her point across and then he just like stayed there. Yeah, kind of like just hung out. Okay, guy, time to go. Okay, I think we're done. Like she was, but she wasn't too nice to be like, all right, you can leave. Yes, exactly. So I'm thinking that that's what happened. So probably like felt like maybe he needed to support. Maybe he needed to be around somebody so I could be here for him, just even though we're not talking. But he specific she she specifically said to her friend, "I don't know why he's there." Hmm. Um. So at two fifty four p.m. and this is where you see every bit of CCTV footage, and I urge you to go and watch it because it's just it's unbelievably it's it's awful. I'm seeing if I can splice it into the video. Yeah, we'll I mean, see. it's it's all there. So at 2.54 p.m. on October 22nd, Colleen could be seen on the school CCTV footage, leaving her classroom on the second floor and heading to the women's restroom. Danvers High School, like I said, they recently re- renovated and 140 cameras were installed. So as she walked down the hall, you can see her smile and wave at somebody in the distance. 
What I guess they she did do, which I didn't see on the footage, was try a staff faculty restroom, but it was occupied. That one is just a single use bathroom. You lock it behind yourself. Right. So somebody's in there. The the worst part of this is had she gotten into that bathroom, I don't think this story would be I wouldn't be sitting here reading this today. Uh, that's it's always like one thing, you one, know. One thing. It's like a series of unfortunate events. Yeah. Ugh. So um then the camera cuts over they show her pushing into the women's restroom the the girls room that the students would be using she's entering the restroom um seconds later they show the camera at colleen's classroom you see philip following her out the door he looks in both directions very sneaky as if he's checking to see if the area is clear yeah seeing if anybody can see me he then hesitates outside the door of the classroom. He took a couple of steps in her Colleen's direction, though changed his mind. And as he's going back into Colleen's classroom, you can see him pat the pocket of his hoodie, I believe it was. He was wearing a blue hoodie. Looking he like just, just touched it. And he went back into her classroom, but only moments later. I mean, we're talking like almost followed her into the restroom immediately. Like conscious came in and he's like, and then it fell off again. Yep. And I don't even think the conscious conscience kicked in at all. So moments later, he exits the classroom. This time, he has the hood of his blue sweatshirt over oh, his head okay. and heading in Colleen's way. And it is just the worst moment is when you see him push that bathroom door. But what is he thinking? Open. Like, okay, I stood out. Now I'm going to come back out here and close my like. Obviously, it's you, you dumbass. And you see his face in plain clear sight. Many, many, many times on this video, I don't know what he thought the hood over the head was doing for him. Not a lot of common sense in these scenarios. watching him push through that bathroom door, knowing Colleen is in there, is just enough to make you sick. So he watched her go into that bathroom? He knew she was going to the bathroom. It's like the end of the day. They're all gathering things. She's got probably a 15-minute drive home. That's like the first thing I do when I heading out the door as I hit the restroom. Well, especially you. Yeah. We all know I always have to pee. Mm-hmm. So it's like he knew she was going and the bathroom's n- not far. You could see she turned that way. Right. Um, it's just right down the hall. So you walk out of her classroom. There's um, an open area that leads to the staircase. You could see the staircase. And then right beyond the staircase is the bathroom to the left. Okay. So she pushes through there. Seconds later, he pushes behind. Uh, there's, of course, no video in the bathroom. Right. So 11 minutes later... 11 minutes. 11 minutes elapses. And what happened... Okay, so I'm going to go back to my story. Otherwise, I'm going to get off track. Right. Yeah, you know all the facts. (laughs) I know. I know all the facts. Too much. Way too much. I swear to you, I had like nightmares about this. So as he's... And it's just so eerie and disturbing. As he's heading her way at the top of the stairs, you see him putting the gloves on his hand. You want to like be able to reach out and be like, stop. (sighs) Like somebody stop. I want somebody to just happen to like come out and go into that bathroom and that Colleen be saved. So you see him putting on the gloves as he's walking towards the bathroom, box cutter in the pocket of his jeans. As he approaches the ladies' room, he finishes putting the gloves on and enters the restroom at 2.55 p.m. He came prepared to school that day, equipped with a face covering, gloves, a box cutter, and a change of clothes. The change of clothes may have been for soccer, but regardless, he was was prepared. On um, the side of the box cutter, on one side said Phil's first tool. He had written it in like Sharpie. Hmm. And then on the other side, it said, don't cut your arm off. So 11 minutes later at 3.06 p.m., a female student enters the restroom. Wow. And it, I think it elapsed seconds, like maybe two. I was watching the countdown on the clock. Yeah. It may have been two or three seconds. She immediately pushes out of the bathroom, like almost like a weird face on her. Um, like you're walking in like, oh, whoop. So what she thought was happening was that somebody was changing. All she knows that she saw was an exposed buttocks to their back to the door, clothes piled on the floor. Wow. She sees nothing else. It, you know how it she is. She sees you, one person. You go to naked. like push in and you're like, oh, sorry, sorry, yeah. sorry. And yeah, so she's thinking a student is changing. Okay. Nothing more than that. Yeah. But this, who knows how long Philip would have stayed in that bathroom. Right. This stops him. So about a minute and a half later, I watched the time again, at 3.07 p.m., Philip could be seen exiting the bathroom right behind the students. So he um, went to change clothes during this time. He left the building for a short period. He's running through the halls at times. Just like spastic kind of? It was. He would alternate between walking and running. Huh. 
So I, I don't think actually that that's correct there. I don't believe he changed clothes right then and there. So at this point in time, was he doing other stuff? Yeah, maybe? you'll see it. And it all happens kind of quickly. Ugh. So a student's mother is waiting for her daughter outside the school. This is the one that we were talking about early in the story. He was crouching um, coming out, mm-hmm, crouching near the shrubs. And you know how you can just like totally tell when somebody's being sneaky yeah so she, up, like, she noticed that and she was watching him like what is this kid doing is he on drugs or something <clears throat> or is he hiding something what's yeah. happening here right i mean it could be anything with a teenager yeah, yeah. exactly especially uh, the person has kids in the same age and they're like you know when something's up yeah and all of this is happening very quickly because he exited the bathroom at 307 at 310 p.m now he's back in colleen's classroom wow. he exits colleen's classroom at 311 and he has three bags kind of like haphazardly thrown over his shoulders two of these bags are colleen's one is his um, he has a red sweatshirt thrown over the top of his head. He went down the stairs and less than a minute later, he's coming back up, no longer holding the bags. Now he's got like a bak- baklava. Everyone knows what this is. I apparently don't. I know that baklava. is, I know that is a, uh, a, what a Greek uh, pastry. Baklava? <laughs> that's baklava. <laughs> yeah, that's no, I'm saying it wrong. Yeah, you are. <laughs> balaklava. Oh, okay. That's like a brand or something, right? <laughs> I don't know, but apparently it's like, Kind of like a ninja type of mask. Oh, okay. But everyone talks about it like they just, well, yeah, balaclava. Okay. Well, that's not in my uh, this was vernacular. Before COVID, obviously. Oh, so. yes. That's exactly what I was thinking. Had this been COVID, he would have streamlined right in. Right. So all of a sudden now he's coming back up the stairs. Bag's no longer there. He obviously like stowed them right at the bottom of the stairs. He's got this mask on. So it's he's like you kind of mentioned the word spastic and in this point in time he's putting his this red sweatshirt on that he initially had thrown over his head like to me it just seems like he's just doing stuff and not like thinking it out like just like he he seemed to be striding with purpose though really so as he's running down the hallway back towards where the classroom is, now the face covering's off and he's putting it in his pockets. So is it on? Is it yeah, off? It's like, it's are like you back and forth. Or? Are you hiding yourself? Are you not? What is happening? Right. So um, he's now heading in the direction of the restroom. At the top of the stairs, the camera catches him just quickly stopping and you can see he's like kind of sneaky he's hesitating you don't know why at this point but you come to find out exactly why one of his soccer player friends is coming in his direction Uh so when i was watching the trial their thought process was it was a male student clearly there was no fear of him entering that female's bathroom yeah what the thought was is that philip assumed colleen wasn't dead and that she had the potential to cry out for help oh so you could tell he quickly pivots on his foot heel and starts even running in the opposite direction that the students well obviously the student's gonna be like what the hell yeah and you can't obviously hear anything but you see the interaction the student's got like a soccer ball under his arm and he's like gesturing kind of like basically hey he's at there yeah, he's that's basically what he's saying it's hey me, man Jimmy. Yeah. yeah his name is ramsey he's <laughs> like hey, aren't you gonna be coming to soccer practice and he you could even say like he's like holding himself on the door like gesturing to him like what's going on yeah but philip just kept going initially what i heard in the trial was philip started to ask him for help Oh my and God. then quickly changed his mind well again we're not dealing with a person of sane mind so this is <laughs> what like it just seems like a mess like yeah. he, this was not planned i mean thank he, god he thank god it's so sloppy yeah i mean he definitely planned it because why the hell did he come to school with gloves and a box cutter right right obviously he planned the, the whole thing you know the, the idea but not how and everything and what he would mm-hmm. do afterwards and everything so i mean it's uh, it's such a it's horrible story it, it's awful and you could tell that the soccer players trying to speak with him but like philip's just fleeing in the opposite direction he's like okay "Okay." and then the soccer player like drops his ball a couple times you know a goofy teenager um and now i'm sure it's just sickening to him to think what i could have helped or possibly you you can't think that this has nothing to do with why would you think a teacher's fact that like bathroom while he was having this conversation he was in the midst of all this yeah so um like i said ramsey was asking him are you coming to practice so, like I said, it was likely that he was afraid that Colleen was able to cry out for help at this time. 
Um, Philip was then seen wheeling a large recycle bin, which they kept at the bottom of the staircase, into the restroom at 3.16 p.m. with a red sweatshirt on. Again, looking back and forth, probably like, uh, I'm going to pull this huge trash bag through here. Yeah. And, you know, nobody reported anything suspicious that day. He definitely passed several people in the hallway here and there. Never, I believe, in the school with a recycle bin in tow that I saw. Because obviously that would be kind of like, what are you doing? Suspect. Yeah. Yeah. So um, he wheels the recycle bin into the bathroom. And five to six minutes later at 3.21 p.m., bin in tow, his sweatshirt off. Now again, with the head and face covering, he's wheeling the bin out of the bathroom. With a balaclava? Yeah, balaclava. Onto the elevator and downstairs. He exits the school with the bin at 3.23 p.m. You clearly see him outside the school passing a man on the sidewalk who's walking his dog. The man's like walking his dog and looking at a cell phone briefly kind of just looked in philip's direction look back well yeah somebody moving some yeah well i wouldn't take any notice of that sure um he initially went around the school behind the field house where the athletic fields were to get to the woods but found that it was too steep and rocky another student is watching this happen she's sitting on a picnic table sitting out from track practice because she has an injury she's thinking nothing of it she thinks it's a worker that's getting rid of like foliage or whatever yeah yeah probably not garbage because he was going into the woods but you know fall leaves and whatnot it's october Mm -hmm. so she again thinks nothing of it um he gave up because it was too steep and seven minutes later he went back around the school to the other side you see him again walking the other direction with this been in tow um at this point in time he's wearing gray canvas nike shoes 24 minutes later he's now coming out of the woods so what he did in that forest for 24 minutes is horrific and obscene and awful so we're gonna know what it is we'll find out so now he's coming through the parking lot running he has no shoes on just white socks then he's at the bottom of the stairs with the white socks. By the time he gets to the top of the stairs, socks are gone and he's barefoot. And it was sickening because at the top of the stairs at 4 p.m., you see his jeans are soaked in blood. Mm. His hand is covered in blood. And he's in the school. So had anyone seen him at this point in time, it would be like, what happened? Did you cut your... Are you like, okay? Yeah. yeah you you would help. assume we need to call 911 for the hospital. Yeah. Hand absolutely covered in blood. Jeez. Whole leg of the pants soaked. Um, at 4.01 p.m., he goes to the third floor where his locker is. He gets his things out of the locker, goes to the third floor men's restroom holding a bag, and now he changes into what he would have worn to soccer, which is a black hoodie, black shorts. He's still barefoot at this point, and he's carrying his bloody te- uh, T-shirt and jeans um, and wearing a drawstring backpack. At 4.04, he re-enters the second floor bathroom where he attacked Colleen and exits two minutes later at 4.06, heading back downstairs, still barefoot, and exits the school. Like, there's so many red flags. You know, if anybody yep, could have seen it. But nobody saw because it's the yeah. end of the day. Teachers are getting the hell out of there, going home. Well, thank God for the cameras. Yeah. So it was clear as day that this is him and this is what was happening. He goes back to the woods, spends 12 more minutes. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. Like this again this kid back and forth back and forth mm-hmm. but Weird. it's all happening really in a short period of time when you do look at the grand scheme of things well yeah 12 minutes isn't that long i mean it is long if you're sitting there for 12 minutes but if he has to walk all the way to the woods and walk all the way back it's mm-hmm. uh, yeah. and the woods really are on the perimeter of the school yeah. so um he now is exiting the school again goes back to the woods like i said spends 12 minutes there then um, you see him on camera bent over by bushes. Again, he looks kind of sneaky, but it turns out he's just tying his gym shoes. Now he has blue shoes on. I think they were like Adidas shoes. He's now heading in the direction of like where the activities would be. And there's a lot more chance of people to, to be there because students are being picked up and whatnot for after school activities. Lo and behold, the camera catches him approaching two boys that are standing on the walkway waiting for their parents to pick him up one boy um he actually stops and talks with for probably about maybe 10 seconds maybe 20 it was somebody that he knew from church and youth group 
the child did not go to that school, but he came there for a cross country or track or something. Yeah. So he's talking to Philip. He's like, hey, you're going to be able to come to youth group on Sunday because sometimes Philip couldn't make it because of homework. Philip's like, yes, I'll be there. He's like, yeah, I've been texting you. And Philip's like, well, I'm out of minutes, so I, I haven't been able to respond. The kid was interviewed on the, or he was on the trial, said nothing seemed alarming. The conversation was normal. Philip didn't seem stressed. Nothing stood out in his mind. Wow. So then they finished their conversation. Um, at 4.24 p.m., he comes back into the school. This time, I have no idea why he walked into the school. He basically just wandered the halls in a very calm and eerie way and even reached into his backpack to put a snack in his mouth. <laughs> like, no, nah, I'm hungry. He got hungry. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. At 4.30 p.m., he's seen exiting the school for the last time. So Colleen left her classroom at 2.54-ish. This is 4.30. So all of this happened in about an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. And so then uh, Philip was then um, seen on CCTV footage at BJ's Wholesale Store. Um, he's walking around drinking a sports drink. He this ends is after? up, yes, this okay. is after the fact. He ends up stealing a scuba knife because he did not have a membership card, or should I say, Colleen didn't have a membership card to BJ's. So okay. he just steals it. He's seen exiting the store. Uh, there were a couple surveillance videos that showed him coming into like a gas station. He just walked in briefly. The one he just walked in stared. The um, clerk who was on trial talking about the surveillance or like, what do you think he was looking at? He's like, it almost looked like he was looking for a clock, but there is no clock in there. Quickly turns around, exits the station. He's used to the school where there's a clock above every door. Yeah. So then he went to Wendy's, had a burger and fries. And then he went to the local mall's movie theater. He bought a ticket. You can clearly see him on CCTV footage. He purchased a ticket to see the movie gravity, but didn't end up seeing that. He went and watched the Woody Allen movie, Blue Jasmine. Um, He purchased everything he purchased with Colleen's credit cards. So he knows he's getting caught, obviously. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, it's only a matter of time. So he was giving up and just... What I mean, what reason are you going to watch a movie and relax? Like, could he relax and watch this movie? Like, how, that's what I was wondering. How do you sit in a dark theater with your thoughts right. after what you've done? Yeah, I'm sure he didn't even record, like remember the movie. So what happened to Colleen? And this is just awful and tragic. When Philip entered the bathroom behind Colleen, he strangled her. He sliced her neck two times with a box cutter and in total ended up stabbing her at least 16 times, I believe all in the neck area. He raped her, denied it, but uh, pathology found two sperm cells Um, inside of her. Two sperm cells? Two sperm. Oh, okay. Wow. Two sperm in her. That's very little, right? Well, it's... I don't know. It is what it is. It just goes to show. He did, yeah. Yes. Um, so then he, um, was interrupted, of course, by that student, put her in the recycle bin. After bringing Colleen into the wooded area, he sexually assaulted her with a tree branch. (sighs) Fucked up, man. And from what I understand, he may have just left her like that in the woods to be found that way. Oh, man. He posed her, like I said, in a very provocative way. Yeah, I have a Um, picture. I mean, I'm in my head. But what they believe to be true is that she was still alive when really? she was brought to the woods. Unbelievable. Why? Just obviously. Because it, I didn't get to see the medical examiner's trial. I watched hours and hours and hours of you footage. Were, you were doing a lot on this one, I remember. Yes. Hours of footage on this trial. But apparently, they called it like wound D on the autopsy report. It was somewhere by the jugular. You could tell that one happened later. So um, there were the pathologist Anna McDonald said that there were two causes of death asphyxiation, which occurred first, because he said that the knife wounds ended up being so severe to the neck that there's no way you could have strangled her after that. Right. So she had to have been strangled first and then cut. And she said that um, there were 16 stab wounds to her neck, three which hit major blood vessels. Pathologist stated that it was possible that she could have survived the strangulation had she not been stabbed. So what I heard in the trial was you could tell that the one cut was done later and likely was done with the 24 minutes in the forest. Okay. That in in the bathroom, she likely could have been saved had uh, someone come upon it. And, which is why he was worried she might be screaming because she was yes. probably still breathing and whatever. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I mentioned that he went into the forest with these gray canvas shoes, came out. They found the shoes in the forest 
completely saturated with blood. Which is why I changed him. Yeah. And had anyone bumped into him in any of those periods of time that he had the blood on him? You know, I I don't know if it would have been too late at that time. Right. There's just speculation. Yeah. So Philip was tried as an adult in 2015, despite the fact that, you know, he was only 14 when he when it happened. He went to trial at age 16. Well, this is a heinous crime. I mean, this is that was but why it was the horrific nature of the crime with the raping and all the others like this is just absolutely terrible. And again, just even the murder. But I mean, everything is horrible. And and again, the intentional, the 14 year old thing. Like, yeah. What in his mom like seemed like a good person? Well, we compare to our thirteen-year-old son again. He's incapable of this, you know, this <laughs> to do anything like this. It, and he must have been very mentally disturbed. It blows my mind. So this is so crazy. But while in the youth facility awaiting trial, he attacked a female guard in the exact same way. Like exact same way. Listen to this. So he. <sighs> She walks into the locker room, again, caught on surveillance. How the hell is he allowed to go after her? That's <laughs> the other question, but go ahead. It's so crazy to think that he did the same thing. Again, it's caught on surveillance. It shows Philip following a guard into the locker room, carrying a pencil, a sharpened pencil. The guard said that he entered the locker room and began to strangle her. Just like he did to Colleen. Like, what a fucking terrible facility. This just goes to show, though, Don't how trust anybody ever. fucked this guy is. Yeah. Not, I mean, at, obviously, he doesn't at care. At this point in time, he's 14, 15 years old. He's like, my life is done. I might as well kill other people. Like, he had this urge. And obviously, sexually got off on it, too. Yes. They believe disgusting. it was a very sexually motivated crime. Yeah. Um, so he begins to strangle her. When she screams for help, he begins punching her, though the staff members were able to rush in to help to restrain Philip. And thankfully, the guard was not seriously injured during the attack. So well, mentally mm, injured uh, forever. Oh, basically. of course. I mean, it's like traumatic and knowing what he did, right. that that could have been her. Yeah. Had she not been able to scream for help, just like Colleen probably wasn't able to scream for help because she was so taken aback. Well, yeah. I mean, that's a whole different situation because you're in a high school that has nobody there. It's after hours. Whereas this is a freaking jail, basically. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, these things do happen. Yeah, People do get attacked. Yeah. So the trial concluded December 14th, 2015. Philip was found guilty of first degree murder, aggravated rape and armed robbery. They didn't charge him for the raping in the woods because she may have already passed away at that point. I I, I don't know, but I guess you can't rape a person that's no longer living. Whatever that, to the me, rules it's are. even worse. It's I, of course. Yeah, he was sentenced, well, like the rule, the law, the rule of the law. Or whatever yeah, it might be. He was sentenced to life in prison with the eligibility of parole in 40 years. Oh, man. When he's somewhere (laughs) around 56 years old. So obviously, Colleen's parents are very upset by the sentencing. They were in the courtroom every day. I mean, you're looking at death penalty here. You're not looking at parole in Mm -hmm. 40 years. I mean, it saves him that he's so young. They think they can rehabilitate him probably. But this kid's fucked. I mean, he's gone. I mean, especially that he did the exact same thing to a guard, like right within the the midst of all this. Yeah, that's... So Colleen's mom blames the state Supreme Judicial Court, which ruled that in December of 2013, juveniles could not be sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole uh-huh. so it so was like pretty much anybody under 18 can kill anybody they want and not be not and have the ability to go up for parole uh. so peggy ritzer considers herself so very broken she said that she isolates herself from people that she loves peggy ritzer is the, that's the mom oh the mom Pe- peggy oh. is colleen's okay. mom Sorry. she can't even bear to pretend to be happy so she doesn't want to even put herself around it's kind of a disservice to her daughter almost and she feels guilty probably for pretending to be happy and it's like my daughter's gone Mm -hmm. and was ruined and it's such a good person yeah it's so so sad and of uh philip colleen or uh colleen's mom peggy says he is pure evil and evil cannot be rehabilitated right and i cannot agree with that more this person cannot and will not be rehabilitated uh-huh. i believe I mean, that the devil, there's a basically. monster inside of him absolutely it's all if you let him out he's going to do it again somewhere. i promise you he will yeah and colleen's father tom feels that he failed his daughter i didn't protect colleen and a dad's job is to fix things i would do anything if i could fix this for colleen of course it's How like a, when you have a sick kid you wish you can take everything and of course we would rather die than our kids yeah all we want to do is for our kids to be happy right and you know sadly we can't protect our children for anything from everything and 
Colleen's father is certainly not to blame. Absolutely not. But no. of course, as but a parent, it. as a dad, I get it. Yeah, totally. Especially the whole dad daughter thing. I God think. bless you, man. I don't know. What, I know my you know, heart can, just bleeds. You got to live for her. You know, spread like awareness and yeah. whatever. That's all you can do. And um, I'll tell you about kind of how they keep her memory alive. But um, the Saturday before Colleen was killed, of course, she was murdered on a Tuesday. So only Saturday before Colleen's best friend remembers Colleen saying that the school year was a great one. She was enjoying teaching freshmen for the first time. Um, 1,000 people attended her funeral. Of course. On game one of the World Series between the Red Sox and the Cardinals, a moment of silence was observed um, at Fenway Park in her honor. Wow. Students were shattered by the loss of Colleen. One student said, it's surreal how quickly someone can go and how much we take for granted every day. Um, October 22nd has become Kindness for Colleen Day. It's all about pink. Pink everything because that was her favorite color. Yep. And people on this day, and of course every day, are urged to perform good deeds in her memory, specifically in Colleen's memory, and doing something and like saying like this is for Colleen. And I I really think that's awesome. Absolutely. So that's October 22nd. And I'm really gonna try to remember that. This story is Siri. Right now, if you're listening to this, tell Siri October 22nd. Mm -hmm. I'm 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 gonna do it. And talk to your kids about it too. Yeah. Like I'm welling up. It's just I know. It's just so terrible. I mean, I have a daughter in the other room and it just makes me ill that somebody that could have made such a difference such a bright light that could have like helped in positive ways with so many kids mm-hmm. you know make an impact a positive impact on their life be somebody who's willing to let some fucking weird ass kids sit in their room and just like sit and not talk and have no idea why they're there but they probably need me you know and be making conversation like how's you know danvers doing and like oh okay and oh. you know you could just tell she was just like that person that was just make anybody feel comfortable and so october 22nd october 22nd is kindness for, for colleen day so please just try to think about it and you know do something nice for somebody that day and and do it in honor of colleen um and colleen had a quote on her facebook page just kind of prior to her death that said to know even that one life has breathed easier because you have lived this is to have succeeded and i'm sure she's touched many lives yeah even in the short time she was teaching that was a ralph waldo emerson quote but i thought that that was I'm sorry. One more time. I've cut you off. To know even one life has breathed easier because you have lived. This is to have succeeded. And I'm sure many lives had breathed easier because of Colleen. Sounds like it. Yeah. So that's the story of the murder of Colleen Ritzer. And I'm, you know, sorry to... Be a downer. Be a downer because it's a it's a sad, but unfortunate these one. Have to be remembered, so it's very important to tell yeah, their story and exactly. to be aware and mm-hmm. to celebrate their lives when they had them because all of us are going to be gone at some point in some way sooner than they should be. Unfortunately. Yeah. So, so anyway, thank you all for sticking around, yeah. and hopefully, if you're watching this video, it's it's not too terrible. Sorry for what I look like. I'm <laughs> glad you're looking at her. I don't know if I was fidgeting. I'm going to watch the video. And be yeah, like, what the hell was I doing? Did you see my sock when I crossed my toes? Are you probably Mike, did. I asked you to wear shoes i know i forgot is it so much to to ask to wear shoes i took a shower today that's pretty good, good. Yeah, uh, yeah that's progress yeah it is it is and on that note i bid you a cheers 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 to you and cheers to you yeah thanks for listening and thank you for being here um listening to the crime and coffee couple we really do appreciate you being here it means more than you will ever know and we will see you next time bye, bye.